welcome back to Suffering Podcast. Please tonight, it's good the usual two men back in the studio. Hard to believe we're flying through the autumn boys, but we are. Uh, week three, a few, few more scalps we're taking, but yeah, we'll start from the start. How are you boys, and did you have a good weekend? Excuse me, you forgot to introduce us there, Tom. Uh, I had a great weekend, thank you very much. Um, didn't really get up too much. Sorry, my WhatsApp's still open. But uh, but yeah, good weekend of ruggers. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it was positives all around, wasn't it? It's it was one of those weekends, not a lot of stake for all of us, but I was violently ill on the Sunday, just to let everyone know. But I'm happy, I'm good now, I'm doing well. Twenty four hours of pure sickness and then body's rejuvenated, so I'll take that as a win for me. Um yeah, I thought you were going after there that, you know, the Scotland performance of bottling it just kinda drove made, you to made me feel a bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, we'll, get, we'll get on to Zach, that Zach but yeah we decided this week to um, uh, because we can't take up 45 minutes of your time with Ireland Fiji sadly we're going to start with England make it a bit fair so England Japan routine look good got the job done which are you know we can't just say as we say some of these games against tier 2 sides it's kind of a, a lose-lose unless you hammer them but Ireland, you know, and if Alec might said it was underwhelming, I, I don't, didn't hear anyone saying England were underwhelming. So, a lot of positives to take, and the teams are out today for New Zealand, and a lot of those boys, I think, have played their way into jerseys. Yeah, I think it's one of those, isn't it? I think if you put, like you said, these games can sometimes be a lose lose, but I think if you put fifty points on any team, you've you've played well. Um, I think that's always kind of the benchmark we set when we're talking about. You know, the top, top tier one nations in England and Ireland playing against, you know, a side like Japan as well, who are, who, have, who have their moments. I don't I think we can all agree that they probably weren't at the best on the weekend. Um, haven't quite got up to speed that we've seen them play at, at times in the last couple of years. But nonetheless, a 50 point win, 52 points, whatever it was, is what you want. And for me, yeah, big positives. I was very happy. It's nice to just watch a game and not be too stressed and actually enjoy it for once. So, yeah. yeah. And he's gone pretty, you know, um, leading into this week. He's a bit like Andy Farrell. Eddie's now probably sees the World Cup coming around the corner and he's not handing out token caps. You know, he has gone pretty full strength every week. And it might have been debated that not every older frontline player should have played against Japan, but he did. He wanted that continuity. And the first combination I want to discuss is it looks like the 9 and 10 Harvey has had his prayers answered and it is JVP and Marcus Smith going forward and we joked around how many uh, tests there was until the next World Cup but yeah I think you've got to play those two every single opportunity now and you've got a full steam ahead with it don't know, do you agree Harvey because I know you were very pro it last week yeah no I think you saw the huge impact they had against Argentina when when JVP did come on and then you see him play a full game. And like I said, we were fluid. We looked dynamic at times. We looked a bit like the England you kind of expect. So there's absolutely no reason. I think it would have been completely backwards thinking for Eddie to then go back to playing Ben Youngs. I understand that he's your clutch moment, not clutch moment. He's your clutch player. He's he's always going to give you a performance. He's not going to let you down. And playing a 21-year-old against the All Blacks is always a gamble. But look, I don't think JVP has done anything to even doubt him at the moment bar the odd handling error which you're going to get when you have as much ball time as he's had um, and I think you have to go with him I think his performances have merited it I think sometimes you have to not consider his experience and the fact that he's you know second string to his fellow countrymen at his own club you have to factor in that the performances he's had with the red rose on his chest have been more than good enough and I think he deserves just as much as Marcus Smith as well that starting spot against the All Blacks yeah, well, a man that scored two tries was Guy Porter, who found himself on the bench. But then again, he probably wasn't meant to make the bench himself. I think he's played his way onto the bench. Yeah. That's a bit harsh on Guy Porter, because he probably would have wanted to start this, but with, with Tulangi and Farrell, it's tough. And to get himself on the bench is another player that, and I really like that for Medi, just, you know, rewarding good performances in the jersey and the whole mantra that we'll get onto of Ireland, um, because the likes of Stuart McCluskey is similar. If you play well in the jersey, you keep the jersey, and the team will always play well. And I, I'm a big fan of that. But bringing you in, Zach, which might be a bit unfair on Harvey, but 
is this game for Eddie Jones to make a break these next two weeks or really does it not matter going into the World Cup because he's got New Zealand and South Africa back to back and if he comes out of the autumn having only beat Japan one out of four that's that's another autumn where there's question marks so my question to you is 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 this it? Is this it or is that too far? To be honest here's how it'll go if they win with hindsight, they'll be like, this was the clutch game. This was the make-or-break game, and he won it, so he's he made it sort of thing. If they lose, I can see the media spinning it, being like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, we've still got time for the World Cup. We're still building, and we've been building for about 10 years now. But sure, we're building. So I feel like I feel like that's how it'll go. Um, My question for Har, actually, like, or just the both of you, I suppose, this 23 that you see here, how close to twenty? How how close to twenty three do you think that could be to a um France twenty twenty three twenty three? I was uh, about to say and kind of stopped myself from saying it when I was talking a minute ago about the fact that based on current fitness, I don't think that team is too far off our best team. Well, you said um, it would just be Colin Singer. You just wanted Big Joe on the wing there for no Yeah, that's what I mean. Like aside from aside from fitness, you know, like a fully fit Anthony Watson or a Cockan obviously gets in that side. Um, but, but roughly out of the Anthony Watson is a kind of forgotten man. Like, yeah. not I've not heard many people discuss the loss of Anthony. It's kind of like we're learning to deal without his, but like to Lange. You get to you a know, point where you you know you you cover your emotions to stop yourself getting hurt in a way. Like he's so unreliable fitness wise recent in recent years that like, <laughs> I think like, the last time I can remember him, I can't, I can't even tell you the last time I properly remember him playing. It's when he went on that Lions turn not fully fit. And a yeah. lot of players tend to do that. The classic story is of Fernando Torres going to the 2010 world cup, not fully fit. And he said the rest of his career paid a price for it. But it, it was such... at the AFCON. It's, 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 it's a million and one examples. It's a lion's turn. Good to see some World Cup fever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I agree. Since then, even on that tour, he wasn't himself. But it was like, the it was Sonny Bill Williams. He hasn't been right ever since the hit to the head. Like he's he's been he was very good in the twenty nineteen World Cup. Now, that's been unfair. But uh, he's a I've Harvey, you know, I'm a big fan of him, and I don't usually sing praises for a lot of English players as an Irishman, but he is one of them. But uh, on the flip side, it's given an opportunity for Jack Noel to be playing consistently, which is for the first time in a long time. And this New Zealand game is the type of game for Jack Noel where he just will be beavering around and chopping and jackling and getting involved. And I know he's frustrated you that he hasn't hit because more because you know what Jack Noel can do, but. Weirdly, I think this could be a a game for Jack Noel and it'd be nice to see Johnny May up fully in fire. But no, just kind of on to the New Zealand game, no disrespect to Japan. Kind of everyone has been there, clocked that good win. Everyone's focused on this the all black game. The all black team is on. It looks strong. Um New Zealand very impressive against Scotland. Uh, overcoming adversity, which is something Zach felt, you know, that team needs to show a bit more backbone. And they've started to show that. So going into it, it's at Twickenham against the New Zealand team, which is a bit up and down this year. I actually think this is 50-50 for the first time in a long time between England and the All Blacks. Maybe New Zealand shade it on form, or am I being too generous? I think you've got to remember here that um, I think credit where credit's due with England. I think it comes to a culture thing. I think England turn up in the big games at Twickenham. Twickenham is a fortress. There's no doubt about it. Maybe in the past year or so with COVID and everything, it hasn't been quite the fortress it once was. But you can never write off England in the in the big games. It's it's the games against Argentina where they slip up because no one's expecting it. But in the big games with the expectation, Twickers is a fortress. Um, it's interesting you said about New Zealand because New Zealand are on the app. They've kind of found their mojo again. Um, you, you could say some players have really come like Papa Lee the seven. Without yeah. blondes, yeah. you know, the blonde, yeah. the it's just I see that head pop up with a jackal every time now. I start to rediscover Paul esque, um, if um, which is which is which was interesting because he had a phenomenal performance against Scotland, even getting man of the match. And I mean, we saw classic New Zealand, we're kind of beat the bush, but we did see classic New Zealand on Sunday. Um, what I love is the fact that like Jordy Barrett and Bowden Barrett, they just kind of swapped them around. 
you know what I mean? It's kind of like they just do rock, paper, scissors. Who wants to start 12? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's kind of bizarre. Um, because well, Jordan, Bar- they've said Jody Barrett, they see long term going forward, Jody Barrett's 12. And if you look going up against Owen Farrell, that is physicality. That is two big men running each other. And I think Jordy Barrett is too big of a unit to be hidden back a fullback because he's such a good footballer. He can obviously play there. He played at 12 under 20s, and that's kind of was his breakthrough. And he was straight on to the Lions in 2017. I was just going to say as well, it also completely spells out for you why Guy Borter's on this bench. As much as he probably didn't have the merit to start anyway, but Manitou Alangi is the only counter we have to, I think Jordi Barry is what, six foot five, I think he is or something, six foot four. And Enrico Ioane, like it's, it's the centre partnership of nightmares almost. It's 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 going to be a hell of a physical contest. And that's why Manu's in there. Hopefully he doesn't get injured. <laughs> it definitely is the pick of, in terms of the battles, I think... I think actually the back row battle is going to be fascinating, especially off the back of last week with New Zealand's performance in terms of, I mean, you could argue when we'll get on to it, Scotland were maybe a bit uh, bit loose around the breakdown, defending their own ball, but I mean, look at Simmons, Curry and Vinopola versus that back three, like that is, that is tasty. Yeah. Like, that is- We'll maybe touch on at the end of the pod, but a lot of people have been outraged that Artie Savia wasn't in a World Player of the Year nominee. So he's going to be fired up too. Him and Etzerbeth, we're looking at that. Four people going, what? Why is Johnny Sexton there, not me? So they will be pumped up and ready to go. No, it's an absolute cracker this weekend, but I'm really interested to see how Jody Barrett goes at 12 because that could be a new bow to their string to their bow and attack. Yeah. And if that clicks, you got Malanga, Bodie, Jordy, Rico. Like that team starting to come together, and we talked about the back row, and obviously it's it's it's, 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 good sign. it's, really, it's a good me, sign. Um, for me, it's one of those games as well. Where I can't help the more to talk about it, get excited over it because it seems like it's one of those where you've got two giants who, you know, we've kind of faltered in the first Autumn Nations game and then done what we needed to do. Autumn International, sorry. Um, New Zealand look like when they want to, they can score tries for fun. They have done against Wales and Scotland and maybe not Japan, but anyway, um, but they still score points and score a lot of points. But it seems like it's one of those where you've got two greats who potentially over the last year or so haven't quite been at their best or definitely haven't been at their best. You know, I, I hate to constantly relate it to footy, but it kind of rely, re- reminds me a bit of a United Barcelona round of 16 in the Europa League sort of thing. It's a bit of a two giants who are not quite at the top of their game. And I think it's kind of a make or break game for both teams. You know, yeah. England need to win this to really make a success of this year in a way. <laughs> and, and well, to at least bring back some pride and they have to do the same. They need a big scalp, you know, and it's against the Northern Hemisphere team and no disrespect to Wales and Scotland. I think in the current position there, to, they're both in. This game means more to New Zealand and I think they need to win it. And I think we need to win it. So I'm really excited. It is the pick of the round. What are we doing prediction wise in terms of it is a cracker and when that when that hacker is put down, I'm sure Twickers will be bouncing. So I think New Zealand are gonna start to be low key dark horses come World Cup time. I think they've started to get things right. And that's why Jack, we enjoyed their media when it was going wrong because you've never seen it literally and ever since we've been born have been dominant. So it was quite enjoyable to see them kind of falter but no I think New Zealand win this I think New Zealand win this comfortably I think oh. it clicks and I think they put down a statement ahead of the World Cup to say I'm not sitting on the fence this week I'm, they put down a statement to say guys South Africa are faltering Ireland you can keep playing your best team every week to retain that number one stays but we've got depth we've got a squad you know we lost our captain this series but Clean sweep in the autumn. Let's be having you. So yeah, New Zealand by fifteen. Ooh, that's a big statement. Let me yeah. let me let me do mine first because that can be the decider. Then because it's obvious which way I'm going. Um, <laughs> for me, I have to bat my boys. Like I have to bat the Red Roses. Um, I think yeah, we're gonna win. And I actually genuinely believe we're gonna win. I think the Twickenham factor. I think off the back of that good win against Japan. I think. I started to see a bit of free flow in, like you to tell the combination of the nine and ten starting to settle maybe a tiny bit. Um, 
Are they going to be up to the occasion? Who knows? Are New Zealand going to score tries for fun? Who knows? Can we match their scoring ratio and rate? Who knows? But that is why we love this game. And for me, England are going to win 31-25. Set it here first. A score. Interesting. Um, oof, I don't know. I can I can totally see England kind of like coming up with a massive performance, but at the same time, New Zealand are low key doing a South Africa twenty nineteen, um, at the moment. So I'm probably gonna have to go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go. I think New Zealand win it by a score. So um, not quite fifteen points by Telstra. Well, I don't know. I think. Ooh, I think how the game will go, it's going to be really tight up until 60 minutes. Because you, if you even notice, the Scotland game was really tight. Like, Scotland were in it. I mean, we're going to get out of that. And then they did a classic. Um, you know, and then Wales as well. Like, Wales were kind of in it, still at 60 minutes. And then the jam jar effect, you know, it just popped off and New Zealand kind of just went right. In some ways, I could imagine that being a similar case. And I think New Zealand could well actually tell if I'm going to agree with you, I think New Zealand win by two scores, but it's very tight at 60 minutes. It could go either way. It could go either way. You're paining me, boys. You're paining no, me. And this, this could be a game where, where jerseys are cemented. And I think Sam Simmons starting at yeah. six and a Toji back in the second row, that could be your, your you know, that could, if Simmons puts nails down that six jersey, that then, Make, makes the Otoji experiment in the back row finished with and Simmons then is in that back row and I want to see Curry it, it's I want to see I think this could be a big game for Curry one of those that steps up on the big night so uh, it's cracking tied around and looking forward to it but no Jordy Barrett remember the name alright on to the next round uh, Ireland Fiji Zach from last week Andy Farrell came out and said underwhelming performance the only positive really was you know, Jack Crowley coming on for a choice 10 in the Monster nearly six months ago, and, and now he's on the bench for this week. Like, it was positives. There was new new caps, new positives, and wins a win. I would like to first point out to all our listeners in the room that Mr. Telf was um, doing the live match commentary on the BBC uh, live text updates. No, it's well worth a shout-out. I think that deserves a massive shout out. So for those who are still interested in reading back on Telfer's live updates, you can still can you still go back and read them? Yeah, you can still go back, don't worry. Back. And there's yeah. a bit of pedigree as well for the podcast, for the regular hosts of this podcast. There's a bit of pedigree there now. Yeah, for those who are questioning, are these guys legit? We've got someone at the BBC. Rugby <laughs> pass up. That's my question. Well, so I do, you know, filter down my views on the pod on the live text. There's no doubt I'm not as audacious as some of Zach's statements, like Japan beating New Zealand. Um, I was everyone. Close. Okay, I was close. Tell That's odds, an- odds, odds, odds on you just sticking the Tell Rugby podcast link at the end of the live text. Yeah, you and should. <laughs> for for more views and analysis, make sure to tune in. <laughs> Tell Rugby yeah. podcast. But you know, Zach, you're right. Watching the game and and reporting on it, it just it didn't feel like it got going. It just felt like Ireland just did enough, and it was a bit underwhelming. And the knock on effect is this week we've seen some players lose their jerseys, and Farrell has already made it very clear the likes of Mike Laurie, who hasn't got a cap this autumn, that you don't you're not going to get caps here. You know, if the likes of Jimmy O'Brien, he feels are playing better, he's going to get the caps instead, and it's he's been pretty. Pretty brutal with it, and the one to lose a jersey who started the first two games is Balakun. Jimmy O'Brien taking the spot on the wing, but I guess the big talking point obviously is Shirt McCluskey's retained his jersey over Bundiaki, which again speaks volumes of Farrell because McCluskey's play well and he and he deserves the jersey. So my question to you is, yeah, go ahead, sorry, you go ahead there. Is is holding on to this world number one status for the end of the year? So we're at the we're at the rugby awards now. You know, team of the year, player of the year, coach of the year. That's what they want. We know we remember that when twenty twenty eighteen when uh, nineteen when we were top of the world and you know Schmidt was picking up the awards, Sexton was picking up the award, we're picking up team awards. There's no doubt Farrell wants to go to that awards night and be in the mix for coach of the year. So that's why he he goes strong, but. Are we a big enough country to start rotating and stuff, or do we just enjoy this on top and play our best team every week? Because it's been very clear that Farrell 
doesn't tend to hand out debuts unless they're very warranted. And as seen again with his selection, he's going as strong as he can. And every week he goes as strong as he can. He might tinker slightly with availability, but yeah, like Sexton's starting again. And that gaps the big chat. Would this have been an opportunity to see what Jack Crowley can do on the, on the biggest of stages and find a backup 10 to if Carberry and Sexton go down? But he's gone Sexton again and wouldn't surprise me if Sexton plays as long as he can again. I think you got like uh, there's two ways two ways to look at it. Like for example, I would even argue Shirt McCluskey is a rotational, put some minutes under the belt, um, a bit more experience. Um, you know, with Bandayaki starting on the bench. Um, so that's kind of one option you could argue that that or the other option is just Aki's been out for a while now and just doesn't have the minutes under his belt to maybe start a crunch test match against Australia. Um, no matter who they got beat by the week before, um, which deserves a shout out at the pod. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's at the point now you just have to back file. He backs the boys, so we just got to back them. I, part of me is just like, oh, we need to just put in Carberry or Crowley, whoever it is, because they need minutes because Johnny Sexton is a fragile wee man. Oh, well, he's a big man, but he's a fragile man. And in rugby terms, professional sport terms he's a fragile getting slightly older man and like all it takes is for him to have a freak injury against whoever in the first pool game and we're snickered so that's my thing it's kind of like but my point is is if you are trying everyone now are they going to win the World Cup like if Sexton gets injured it, it, it could be game over anyway so you just got to put all the ba- eggs in the basket and he's going to take us to glory you know what that's it. That's it. I think you just got to back it. You just got to say, you know what? All the eggs in one basket. We are running full steam ahead. And if we get tripped up, we get tripped up. But what, like, say hypothetically, Sexton pulls ACL in Six Nations and he's out for the World Cup. Not hypothetical. It's probable. Exactly. <laughs> and then oh, what? And then you've got six months to make Jerry Carberry an international Island 10. That's going to win the World Cup. Eyes. Joey Carberry has never taken, has never put a foot wrong in the green jersey. I think we can all agree with that. But did he ever put a foot right? Yeah, he kicks, he kicks his goals. He's closed on huge test matches, but what he hasn't done is start a big test match and win a test match on his own. But he's closed out big test matches, so he's got the um, he's got the personality for it. But I've got a question for both of you. Um, this is open to the floor here. Does this? match and the performance that you saw on the weekend concern you in any way for the depth of Ireland? Does it... No. With with the focus, like you said, Telf, on trying to keep retain that number one spot, awards on the horizon, that sort of thing, and trying to really push the momentum of Ireland's international scene, has that in any way affected the performance as you go down the levels in Ireland at an international stage, if you know what I mean? I, like well, The fact that I they've just, instantly I... resorted back to kind of full, not, well, maybe not full strength, but bringing back some of the old boys against Australia who really haven't been at their best, where you could potentially gamble more, but, you know, you do risk more of a chance of losing the match. Is that... I was, yeah, it, before it, about how he slowly filtered boys in, like Dan Jehan and Mark Hansen have been nominated for Breakfast Star of the Year, so these guys weren't knowing, and now they're regular stars, like, well, Balakun hadn't played a big test start against South Africa. He does do it, but we're now at the stage now we've got Six Nations, then World Cup. So this is it. This was the last chance of potentially throwing in a Jack Crowley in a game. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but we're not going to remember the Autumn International in 2022 against Australia if it's lost, are we? No. You know, it. So this was the final opportunity to maybe chuck in a Nick Timoney, see if see what you can do ahead of a Jack Coonan or, you know, start a Joe McCarthy or, you know, there's a few guys there. Gavin Coombs, there's there's Craig Casey, give him a start, see what he can do from the off in a big test. So I definitely yeah, feel there's some I... players, there's still questions. I have, can they do it on the biggest stages because they've not had the opportunity? And the person that had the opportunity was Jimmy O'Brien through injury. And he took his chance, and that's why he's starting a big test this week. So I like how he's put value on the jersey, but at the same time, there is there is then that doubt is the will the players have had the depth at, and the games ahead of the World Cup? But like we're always chatting World Cup, it's, it's always a narrative. You've got to, I've always said, Zach, we've got to enjoy this and we've got to win every test. 
because you can't go into the he's potentially the best team in the world and winning or like again someone could potentially like two out of the four Ireland players are up for the best player in the world like it is an incredible um, achievement no I think I think as well like there's, there's it's like two, it's, there's two sides of the coin it's kind of like you have to play every game that's in front of you without thinking about the future because that's how that's partly the key to momentum obviously you have the far off kind of angle which is World Cup glory essentially and you got to let, but at the same time, you got to play each game one at a time, one at a time. But also, you also have that big picture idea of kind of like, right, if this person gets injured, what's going to happen here? We need to give this person a minute, stuff like that. But essentially, I don't like, for example, I don't think that Farrell is thinking about, okay, we need to make sure that we end the year in number one. I think the priority is just, we just need to beat Australia. We need to beat what's in front of us because they play a certain type of rugby. And how are we going to deal with that certain type of rugby? Um, and you just got to keep playing your best team. That's how. At the end of the day, this, that, the, the, with the old changes, yes, if you've mentioned, you know, you've seen it with the with sp- great sport teams over the years. You look at Spain, the Spain team that won in two thousand and eight in the Euros, twenty ten World Cup, to twenty twelve Euros, roughly stayed the same. Yes, there was the odd change here or there, but it had the same spine. Um, it had the big moment, the big clutch players, and I think you even saw that in the New Zealand teams. Um, you know the New Zealand team that we saw kind of won the World Cups and stuff like that. There was okay, there was maybe a bit more changes in that regard, but you see what I mean. And I kind of like I think it's the same. It's just kind of like you just got to keep playing your best thing. Like for example, I think the opposite isn't helpful either. You look at like Gareth Southgate in England. I'm just using football and all this. We look at like Gareth Southgate in England. He's constantly rotating, constantly bringing in new players, and it's kind of like I think it disrupts the squad too much, and I think that's what inhibits England maybe going to. But do you think we could get to a stage where some of the fringe players that are vital to win a World Cup may feel they should have had more caps and then the squad morale could suffer? No, not at all. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Every person, anyone I'll tell you in that Ireland squad, it's a a squad. It's a squad. Everyone has equal value. Everyone, regardless if you're playing on the pitch, you're not in a trip or gives something in to that squad. So I don't know. There's not going to be a squad morale issue or anything like that whatsoever. Um, I think yeah. Zach's correct as long as results continue. I think uh, if there's ever a downturn in form or if the World Cup goes drastically wrong, for example, or Six Nations next year is probably a prime example because that could be most damaging to your World Cup hopes. Say you have a really bad Six Nations with a core squad and a typical spine that you've used for the last 18 months, there are going to be players out there like Casey, like I don't know who else who have been on the doorstep for a few years and feel like they should have had more minutes and feel like they should have had more experience and feel like they should be better prepared to step in and make a real impact if they are needed. Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're totally right. And kind of like the people will turn on and saying, "Why are we not been starting Crowley, more Casey, whoever, whatever player that hasn't quite been given the minutes?" But essentially, at this point. I'm going to do what the opposite of what I did when Farrell came in, which I was calling, you know, for Harry Byrne, Craig Casey, start these young players, you know, kind of build for World Cup's time and all this and stuff. But actually, no, I'm just kind of like, actually, he's got a back file. This is the approach he's taking. This is what he's doing. And as fans, we just got to back him. And if it goes wrong, look, it goes wrong, but he's got to back him. That's kind of where, that's where I come to. And to be honest, we've got to remember here, we're, we're playing on Australia side that, are gonna have they're gonna be fired up, they're gonna respect oh, their yeah, response. They lost against Italy, they lost against Italy, so they're gonna want to put that right. And they beat Scotland, who ran New Zealand through, so it shows when they can get it right. You know, they've got experienced players, you know, Bernard Foley, Nick White, these guys, they're, they're top quality international players. With you know, I think, top. yeah, I think it's one of those, isn't it? It's and we do need to touch on that. Like, shout out to Italy, big scalp in the Six Nations earlier on in the year, now they have this. Like they are starting to get some wins against some top top nations, and if there's ever a moment to get an Italian on the pod, it is now. Like they, these boys, they've got a few youngsters who are really shining and really like pressing the mold in terms of actual top quality in that Italy side. Like fair play to them. I know it's a bit off topic there, but it deserved the shout out. Well, it's on topic because they beat Australia who aren't playing, and I think that might have a knock on effect. I did ask that question, Zach, to you straight after. Is an angry Australia a good thing for Ireland? But makes this test huge. Like, I think Ireland were always more likely to lose against Australia than they were South Africa. South Africa was the first game, all the prep went into it, all the hype, 
and all the world number world champs and all this. This Australia game was the one that was always going to get overlooked as not as important. So, and it will be interesting the narrative of the game. Sexton goes off. Jack Crowley has a stormer. There's so many different things that could happen. So, in terms of personnel and what we're saying, boys, the game, big game players will step up. Will they? I think Ireland will win this. Yeah. I think they'll win it pretty well again. Um, I think we'll yeah. be fine. Sexton, I think Glasgow will stand out again. I think I could see Keelan Doris cementing his spot again, as Harvey always likes to touch on. Uh, Harvey, I'm surprised you haven't called him out for World Play of the Year. Keelan Doris, you've been on him all year. <laughs> since. We can't well, have three Irish time. players, mate, as the nominees. I'm, I'm not letting you have that one. And he's definitely <laughs> not taking the spot of Sexton. <laughs> Ryan's back in form there's, there's a lot of players playing well at the minute and I hope they continue now going forward but now I'm going to go Ireland by again 15 I love that 15 scoreline Ireland by 15 more than two scores no um, I'll go and then Harvey can you know well depending on what mood you're in actually if you're going to agree or not but <laughs> but I think um, no like at the end of the day you can't perform week in week out like in big test matches, you know, so I'm expecting another big game after a kind of lackluster performance. And I'm going to go with Telf. I think they win by 15. I think, ooh, I'm going to say actually that Ireland really exposed Australia. I know Italy obviously did. Um, but I think Ireland are really going to expose Australia to the point where I think Ireland could send Australia into crisis. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm going to, you know what, Zach, I'll be, I'll be agreeable today, mate. All right, I'll be agreeable. Since you're so in my head about my mood swings. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I think, <laughs> I think for me, I, I, I can't like this Australia team. I'm not being funny. Have been quite poor. Maybe this is my lack of knowledge, but there's less and less I'm seeing in this team that are recognisable to me. You've still got the core players who are aging and not getting any younger. Um, players like Pattaya who don't seem to be able to make a stand in this team for various performance or non-performance related reasons. So, um. Yeah, I think Ireland are going to win. They've got a point to prove, um, make it perfect sort of thing. So, yeah, I think for me, it's going to be 20 points, 40, 40-20, because that's how the maths works. So, uh, for me, that's that, that's how that game goes. And it's a, you know, big tick, move on, well in Ireland, good all of internationals. See you later. Uh, interesting, interesting predictions, boys, but we'll move on to the the games that probably don't we won't give as much airtime to apologies for any Welsh, French, Scottish listeners, but we kinda go to those big tests first. So now Wales Wales put away Argentina this week. You gotta say fair play, Harvey. <laughs> You're one that has to rate that. Yeah. You know they're they need put away and they were put away. But not not a huge test for Wales this week against Georgia. But in terms of the Argentina test, well what I would have started to like with wheels is like they might not have the depth that other teams have but some of those players are starting to step up one is Levy Zamet slipping into fullback looking like he can do that role okay showing he's developing his skill set but uh, in terms of this week do we read into this guys that Alan Jones as we talked about him last week is out of the squad completely Rather than Sexton's kind of nominated for World Player of the Year and on a rise to the next World Cup, Alan Jones, we can't lie, is starting to, to struggle. And he wants every single cap, surely. He wants every single cap. If it's woman off the bench, is another cap to the record of caps. And it would be so sad to see Alan Jones' career pitch around. But you can't do these big send-offs if you're willing to put yourself you're willing to say I want to go until the next World Cup final like you're not going to have a massive send off you're not going to have parked out in Principality walking around with your kid and waving at the crowd and you're away because you might not be starting you might not be in the match day squad so it's risky oh, oh, yeah. sports, but, sports not romantic and like you said the further you prolong your career the bigger risk you take as to this sort of narrative happening and you kind of no, I I I think it's harsh, and I'm always careful to say tarnishing your legacy on an older player because it's very easy to just look at the very the now and the present and judge him off that. But realistically, he's done so much for that Welsh side. He's 
the, the one of the best, if not the best, they've ever had in terms of a general general man and leader for that country. But yeah, there's a point where I think there's also a sense of humility and gratitude and honor that you can take if you know when it's your time. And you're almost getting to that point now where does he know? And is and it almost question it can it can put a tarnish not on your career but maybe your character if you can't let go if you know what I mean and well, I'd like to think he can think of that next step maybe into coaching or something else that punditry I don't know that my thing is my thing is with Alan Jones kind of like I feel like I mean like you know it's not like I knew the lad we go for coffee but <laughs> just by judging his like persona I feel like he is someone who. puts the team first, puts the squad first, puts the country first. And my thing is, if he is still like knocking around the Wales team, I think it's because he still believes that he can contribute and not only contribute, but lead. Um, and maybe he's just going through kind of like a rough patch. Maybe it's not down the age. Maybe it's just like what we all go through, kind of like just kind of like yeah, games, you know, where we're not quite firing and, and we're struggling. Maybe that's it. Um, I mean, I mean, it is only Georgia, but the fact he didn't, start against Argentina, you would have thought that and New Zealand, you would have thought that this would have been a test then for him to get a game in, but it's a real interesting one how that's going to pan out. It's, it it's going to be interesting, really interesting to watch, um, to see what happens. I mean, like, he's played 154 times for Wales and played 12 times for the Lions. That is absolutely nuts. Like, that is that is nuts. Like, yeah, that and is... you think, even if he's around not even playing that's a benefit to that squad just there yeah, just be, being there. the talisman the the example he sets you know it's kind of like you could argue it's james milner on steroids um so i think as much as you know especially welsh fans i can imagine maybe welsh fans get a bit fed up and want to see some fresh blood like let's just remember a bit of perspective here like the man is a is a mythical creature he's unbelievable you know what i mean but yeah, um is. But you could argue at the same time he he is the personification of a Wales team that's not quite even with a win against New Argentina and put them the way you just kind of feel like are they? Say, does that does that turn the corner now and kick them on into the Six Nations? I mean, you just never. This is the thing about Wales. You just never know. You just never know. Like you could totally see all this Wales team making a semi final of the World Cup or winning a. Champion, a Six Nations Championship, you just never know. Like, they're kind of just weird and bizarre. If they click and they fire, I mean, they have the players that do it in a Zama and a, in a George North. Um, I think not having damn, kind of like the damn bigger factor is so key for them. Liam Williams, uh, bigger. Like, I, oh, yes, good point. I think Liam Williams goes down as Rob Carney have had something to say, but potentially the greatest Northern Hemisphere fullback. He is right in that conversation. Who would you say Southern Hemisphere? So top of your head, do you think? Percy? Ben, ben, ben Smith, Percy Montgomery. You've got a few good ones. Um, I like Percy. Got... No, but no, no, that's besides the point. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting with Wales. It is interesting. You just don't know. You just don't know. My thing is kind of like, Wales just have this ability, even though their domestic game is just in tatters in terms of the 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 regions. Um from what I understand, the actual domestic rugby below that's actually quite strong, which would you'd hope to be the case if rugby is your national sport. Um, but like what incoming, what incoming on that? <laughs> I think so. I think actually comparing it to Ireland or something, that'd be interesting. But like my question is genuinely like, when is that gonna is that ever gonna catch up? Kind of like just the fact that the regions just aren't great. And yeah, it's, it's tough as well <laughs> playing playing Georgia might be another arm wrestle game that you can't get most out of, but are we saying collectively we can't see any issues for Wales this week? They'll beat Georgia. And... No, it looks interesting to see who kind of maybe stands out, you know. Solid autumn. It would have been disastrous autumn if they lost Argentina, but now it's looking like a yeah, solid autumn. If you said Wales are going to beat by New Zealand and they'll beat Argentina and Georgia, you'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right, you know. Maybe you could question the performance against New Zealand. But... I think it's no real step forwards and no real step backs. It's... Uh... Which is probably with the way the squad is at the moment, and like you say, the domestic game is is, is kind of probably what you would come to expect yeah. for for Wales at the moment. And then Scotland are the team playing Argentina this week. We've kind of touched on the New Zealand game naturally by previewing it first, but 
not really the Scotland side of it. For me, Finn Russell changed that attack when he came back. Like the way he just sticks defenders. There was times where he's like looking like he was going to kick and didn't kick and then pass, but then just, oh, it was brilliant. Hoggy was looking on fire and Hogg needed a big game from somewhere. We talked about the captaincy and all getting taken away from him and Hogg was outstanding. And it's a shame. Zach, I know you were watching it live and you thought oh, this, is hap- this, is ha- this is happening at Murrayfield was bouncing, but they just ran out of steam. Probably their bench got done by the New Zealand bench. But for me, they were never going to be really judged this autumn on if they beat New Zealand. It was always this Argentina game, like Argentina have lost against Wales beating England. Like this is a proper good test for Scotland. Like this, Argentina will say their favourites going into this by their scalps v Scotland scalps. Well, both scalped England, but uh, it'll be interesting this one. And I think, uh, I know I think Scotland will, will win this one by a considerable margin again. Uh, 15 points. Class. No, I'm going to go 10 this time. I just think they showed enough last week. Darcy Graham as well is on fire. Like mm. his try rate in the URC is incredible, and he's brought it into the international stage. And that back three, arguably. Other than Freddie Stewart and Hugo Keenan with that 15 jersey, those two wingers, Duhan and Darcy, you don't get better at, in current form. I think, I think, like, I've actually, I actually kind of intently watched the Scotland game. It was interesting. I think it's definitely Scotland's greatest chance to ever beat the All Blacks, and I think they did bottle it. Um, I think they let New Zealand back in. You give you give New Zealand an inch and they take 10 miles off you. That's just what they do. We were there in the Aviva in 2013 when they did exactly that. Ireland's best chance to date to beat them and they just kept giving them little moments to get back in the game. I think for Scotland, it's interesting. I felt like they attacked, like Ireland attacked New Zealand in the summer. That kind of like playing from deep, um, screen runners in behind, in behind, and then kind of like you just you find the space on the wing to just kind of attack. I don't know, tell for Harvey if you kind of like saw it with Harvey, probably at that point throwing your guts up. But like it, it was interesting just to kind of watch. It was almost like I was watching Ireland attack. I don't know, you thought that tough. I was always it saying that Scotland's backs are like incredible. It's the pack, you know, that need. And Richie Gray coming back in has been big. You know, Rich Gray's looking good. We grit that Gray combination. I like it. I like it. I think that's the key. That's the key. I think Scotland played like Ireland did in terms of their attack, kind of like um, screen runner behind, screen runner behind, got the space out wide. So if you're if you're England, if you're Eddie Jones, you're looking at that. It's kind of like, right, I'm actually going to play Manny as a screen or Barrel and play him behind, play him behind. Um, but what Ireland had in the summer and what they had. Um, previous autumn is they had a pack to back it up. They had a pack to secure turnovers. They had a pack to get turnovers and bully them up front. That Scotland lacked that. Scotland, they might have obviously New Zealand at the breakdown are incredible and were incredible, but it it was preventable. It was too lax. It was far too lax around the breakdown. They didn't secure their own ball, and it's not like someone got went off on their own and got isolated. That didn't happen all the time. It was just, it was just, it wasn't laziness. It was just kind of there was a lack of urgency when urgency was needed most. And do you think? And also, sorry. Do you think in terms of this week against Argentina, Argentina, what they are is a big pack. They're that's what they're known for: big scrummagers, big pack, and then. Like to Buffelli and all that. Why do you think then, Zach, is your prediction actually leaning towards the predictions leaning towards Argentina then uh, to expose Scotland's pack? Or have I just pushed you into a corner there and you've no other thing but well, to agree? I don't know. I think like it's, it's horses for courses in terms of I think Scotland set up a certain way, the attack against New Zealand, and, and it nearly paid off. I think it kind of lacked that. It also lacked the. You look at Ireland and kind of like they're clinical, it lacked that clinical edge. You know, too many drop balls in the, in, the, in the red zone. You know, didn't convert enough points. But I think this if you're Argentina, you're licking your lips at this pack, thinking, right, if we bully them up front, um, kind of like, what's the word? Prevent them from getting pre- um, possession, kind of out to Finn Russell, make it really scrappy. Um, Really, if you're Scotland, you've got you to secure your breakdown this weekend or else Argentina will go for you. Um. And I'm just going to say Scotland, after bottling it against New Zealand, I think we'll get beat by a score. <laughs> I love that one. I apologise to John. Telford. 
<laughs> I think, you know, for the sake of balance, um, we, we know my stance, like I'm always kind of against Scotland, so apologies, John. Um, but <laughs> I know the <laughs> Scotland fans, are there. John's not the only Scotland fan. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, no, I think for me, Argentina, that you saw how they acted against us when we lacked that clinical edge and they don't seem too scared under pressure. They can quite happily play the game with little possession. Um, but when they have chances, the explosive players, the clinicalness and actual accuracy of Buffelli as well will also punish you. I've seen it myself, mate. Trust me, it works. Um, and he's had a really good autumn international so far. So I think he continues that. And I think I think it's going to be his kicking that is the differentiator. Um, so for me, again, yeah. I'm going to go 19-16 to Argentina. Excellent. And then just finally, um, I think we'll leave the we've still got a bit of time to discuss player of the year and coach of the year breakthroughs when they're actually those awards nights come in a couple of weeks. But we'll we'll discuss finally the um France beating South Africa and I just, um not really the game itself, just because we were playing. <laughs> yes, I have we um, not talked about this yet. Oh my goodness. Uh so France Obviously, I want to discuss the argument that France are the best team in the world because if I'm not right, they are undefeated this calendar year, and or we were the beaten. last team. We were the last team to beat them, and it was in the Six Nations of 2021. But all the hype is about Ireland because Ireland had a tour down in New Zealand. Yet France have beaten everyone in front of them, including now the world champions. And similarly, like Ireland, they were pretty convincing. I thought. I know the scoreline was tight, but they just seemed they just seemed calm in the fire. You know, they just just they're so relaxed in those big moments. Um, seen against like beating Australia, beating like they're they're really top top side. Um, my argument is, is it unfair that Ireland are world number ones because they're that wins out in New Zealand and could France be agreed by that? Like. I think Africa, they're beating yeah. everyone in front of them this year, and they're not. Imagine beating, winning I, all your games in the whole year, and still people go. By the I way, think, you're not number one. I think I think France number ones. I think France will look at it and just go. I think France will look at it and go. You know what? We'll let Ireland have a nothing 20, 2022 and we'll just take twenty twenty three to be honest. Um, but like, yeah, I think I think I'm right. I'm with Harv. I I just feel like I just don't think France care. I also don't think Ireland care. I think we as fans care. Pundits. We're the ones that create the narrative. We're, yes, the players are out there just playing the game. Part of the problem. We are the problem. You know, these guys are just <laughs> That's like... why we love it, man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, at the end of the day, these guys, France will not bat an eyelid if they're not Team of the Year at the Rugby Awards. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, like you could say, well, they haven't done it. They haven't done it down under against the Southern Hemisphere side and won a tour. It's kind of like, well, it doesn't matter. The World Cups in France. Yeah, it's <laughs> not that... only it's not only the fact that um, Ireland obviously beat New Zealand, but France. What did they have Japan or something in there? So it's it wasn't even like they had anyone reasonably competitive. It was it wasn't the fact that it wasn't just the fact that Ireland played the All Blacks and beat them in their own turf. It was the fact that France didn't really have much of a tour that was of note. Or any surprise to anyone? So that's my thing. It's kind of like low key. All the pressures in Ireland. We'll just continue to do your own thing. And for me, the champions elect. I think just the way they've been playing, the way they just constantly game after game just show the sign of true champions. Just finding ways to win. Um, it's incredibly impressive. But do you want to talk about Razi, my mate, my mate Razi, as of today? This is why we should do Razi, later. Razzie, too, too much ban. We get gossip. <laughs> too much ban for his tweets. That Oh, my days. I'm just kind of like, this isn't enough. Two matches is not enough. Ban him until after the World Cup. That's what I'd do. <laughs> is this the final straw in the Isaac? I'm just kind of like, at what point do you just become, you know what? Yeah. I wonder what South Africans think. Are they kind of like? Are they like? Are they like? Like kind of this like kind of silo mindset where like you know it's. Well, there, he's not like any match day activities. That's the ban. The wording of the ban. That means nothing. Does that mean he can come on a Zoom call? Or he's got will they be monitoring party. that? Will World Rugby be monitoring the Zooms in the South Africa changing room? 
Well, he also doesn't care either because their last game's against Italy, so it's not like it really matters for them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, England are, hey, we don't have to deal with Razzi. That's true, it's true, it's true, that's true, it's true. But like, I just think, uh, it just it just fries me. It's kind of like, if you're going to do it, take it seriously. You know, like, you can't be allowed to do this. You can't set a culture like this. It's not right. You can't, you can't, like, <laughs> we're not becoming like football. Like, it's me... As a Liverpool fan, I always get so annoyed when Jurgen Klopp kind of goes in his rants. To be fair, he never tweets about it or whatever. But I'm just like, Jurgen, just, you know, yeah, fair enough, it was unfair. But just move on, man. Like, come on. There's better, bigger fish to fry right now. I'm kind of like, I don't see how this helps him. But it clearly does, to be fair. But, like, ugh, it just fries me. It fries me. It's just kind of like you're bringing the game into disrepute. disrepute. I love him, man. He came off a one-year ban two months ago, and he's got another ban already. <laughs> the guy just doesn't care. It's so funny. Was he as monster fan? Was he like what can you? You can't. You, it's like it's like shooting. Yeah, it's fan. like shooting at someone with bulletproof armor. They are firing. World Rugby are firing everything at him, and he's just sat there pinging these bullets off at him, just like yeah, whatever. I'll be back again. Yeah. It'll <laughs> be interesting to see that one. Uh... That one goes now. If he does do it again, is it going to be a life? <laughs> just yeah, make four South Africa to sack him. Another year ban. Give him another year. I don't remember when he used to do the um, five year ban. He comes back two months later, gets another ban. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even bother using the burner account anymore. He just goes straight to the burner account. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't yeah, it nice, it's a nice, nice way to finish. I wonder if he's going to get the burner account. He's the kind of guy who would get the burner account and pay for Elon Musk's le- latest blue tech he, subscription. He, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stick, it it. stick it on the burner account. Razzy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Razzy will always entertain us, and there's no doubt Razzy always finds a, a way into the podcast. But he's in again, finds a way in. But if you Via this fine podcast, give us a like on Spotify and YouTube, Tough Rugby Podcast, uh, Twitter at Rugby Tell, Spotify, Tough Rugby Podcast, you know the crack by now. And cheers, boys, and catch you next week for hopefully some big scalps as always. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.